should hear the things that she says. She says, hon, drop dead, I'd rather go to bed with Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Cuddle up with Robertson Davies, leave on the light for Jane Rule. I've been flirting with Pia Burton, and Pia Burton's no fool. I like to go out dancing, my baby loves a bunch of authors. My heart's a broken, bleeding, baby just sitting there, doing some reading. Hello, and welcome to The Mirror Factory, the literary podcast featuring favorite passages from fiction and a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your foreman, Max Romero, and with me today is Chicagoan, book designer, and my wife, Sandy Salinas. Hi, Sandy. Hello. Um, I don't sound like that. I was expecting you to go, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, well, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for we've been, inviting me. We've been we've been talking about this back and forth for a while now, and I've been trying to get you on the show, and I've just been... It's all my fault, so... No, it's not your fault. What it is is that it's hard to, to decide on what to talk about. Well, you've you've decided on a piece by Anton Chekhov, with a short story, and Chekhov is mostly known as a playwright, but he's also written quite a few short stories even though they're harder to find we've been trying to find them in bookstores and things like in collections and mostly what we find are his plays like uncle vanya and and that sort of thing but he does have a lot of short story collections and i do i mean you do find that stuff uh if like guess the most popular stuff right yeah i mean there are you can find in short stories but we've actually had a hard time finding the one that you've chosen today which is the student yes so tell me a little bit about the story okay the story the the student was written in 1894, and it, it's a short story. It's very, very, um, it's a very, very short story. It's four pages long, but it's a beautiful story, and it's about this young man who is is talking about. He's a clerical stu- student. He's a clerical student, and he's coming home. From, I guess it says it's a day of, of shooting. I'm assuming he went hunting right. because it is uh, it is Good Friday. And he he mentions how he's very, very hungry. So I guess he left his home to go hunt. And uh, as the day, as it starts getting later, he's going back home. But uh, this is supposed to be around, I'm assuming if it's Good Friday, it's either late March, early April. The way he describes the... His surroundings, it's an uh, especially cold day in spring. Right. Well, and I think the beginning of the story mentions how it's a it's a nice day, it's a pretty day, but then it gets, suddenly it gets cold as the sun is setting. Yes, and it gets cold, and it's, uh, I'm assuming it's like, kind of like the weather here, and like his, the way he describes his uh, surroundings is kind of like uh, here in Chicago where it's, uh, <laughs> it's spring, but that doesn't mean that it's not cold. Right. And then, oh, but it gets even colder, and he's talking about how he has uh, numb fingers and how he's feeling like the uh, uh, particularly cold wind from the east, right. and and even the way the sunset is, uh, how the darkness is coming is uh, it's it feels like a winter day. Right. And he mentions that it's that it's a total darkness. That the only the only light that he sees is from a fire in a yard of one of his neighbors. Yes, as he's coming home, he goes through what it's called the gardens, and uh, that is supposed to be kept by a, a pair of widows. Uh, it's a mother and a daughter, and he sees the glow as he's walking toward the, that area. They have a fire going, but but they are outside, and the the way he describes that, the way Chekhov describes the scene is, uh, they are 
they're done with supper, but I mean, the implication is that they were eating outside. And there were some uh, workers who were also, I guess, do uh, nearby. Nearby, yeah. and they were done for the day, but they were taking care of their animals, their horses, too. I guess they're also going home. Everyone's like ending their day, but everyone is like seems to be taken by surprise, I guess, how cold they got. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they, it looks like they're like. It's a cold day. Right. It's it's surprisingly cold, right. and it's a good. Uh, I'm assuming that like like us at least, growing up, we um, Good Friday that meant spring. That meant you know we were done with winter. Right. But I think it was just that it was a gloomy night, and and everyone was feeling it, even though it was supposed to be right. a spring day. And also, he check off. He ties it back to. There's a point when he says something about it's. It reminds him of of a cold wind that came before Ivan the Terrible and Peter and these dark points in Russian history. And that idea of history is really important later on in the story. I mean, it's kind of like the crux of the story, if if, if I'm reading it right. And the, that, that gloominess that you mentioned is, is kind of, it's not only the physical feeling of the day, it's, it's kind of a gloominess that's coming over the student himself. Yes, and I think what what how I take the story is that there are just days like that, and the uh, the way I see the story is how Chekhov is trying to tie it to how if you look around and if you see your surroundings, it's the same surroundings that that a lot of people before us have felt in terms of history, like the what happened during turbulent times, during sad times, even personal, at a personal level, uh, like there are days uh, that remind you of sad days in your own, in your own family history, your own, your own, um, your own life. And that day felt to him like he was connecting, like, okay, so he was saying, this is Good Friday, but it feels like Good Fridays that other people went through were bad things happened to people. Uh, and he ties it to Good Friday. He ties it to how it was the day that uh, I guess Jesus was betrayed. Right. Well, uh, he he stops and and talks to these to the widows, who he's very Chekhov is very descriptive about. You know that the the lady who was who was um, I believe she she was a nursemaid in the court at one point, and she carries herself that way. But her daughter uh, was a village peasant, and so she she's kind of rougher, and she does she never speaks during the story. But the um, but he stops to talk to these widows, and and to warm himself by by their fire, and when he does, he starts telling them about he starts basically giving them the story of Jesus's crucifixion, and Peter's denial, and Judas and and he mentions Judas's betrayal, but it's basically it's centered around uh, Peter's denial, three times denial of Christ. I think the story is uh, is centered around. Well, obviously the the story can be interpreted. However, I mean, I think that's like the point of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the story is about Good Friday. It really is about how he's trying to connect that that Good Friday to to the Good Friday in terms of like what the people, uh, the disciples, uh, Jesus, what they went through on that day. But as he approaches the widows. As he approaches his neighbors, these are women who know him. So he starts a conversation with them. 
he obviously he's trying to warm himself up uh, with their fire and they're mm-hmm. they, they're welcoming to him, but I think he also just comes in and makes conversation with them, and I th- I think what I get from the story is that he is talking to them about something he knows about, but also talking to them about something that they can they can both relate to. the the story. Uh, Chekhov does uh, like you said he describes the the mother. As someone who is, uh, I guess, the implication is that she is better educated than her own daughter. Right. And her daughter is just, he describes her as a simple woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they both are taken, they both are curious about what he's talking about. Because he's ta- uh, he, as he's approaching them and greeting them, he's saying like, oh, this is just a, a day like, uh, like the Good Friday when uh, Jesus was taken a prisoner, when he was uh, tortured and what happened to his disciples, what they went through. It's, he's basically saying, like, it's a really cold day, and I'm assuming this is kind of what they went through, and this was probably the day that they, that they experienced. Right. Uh, so, But they both are very, uh, both the widows, both his, uh, these ladies, in a way, I think, I mean, I, I get it from the way I read it, is that they are both, they had never thought about it that way. Right. And they both were taken to the moment the way he describes them how jesus was taken how peter felt how peter uh he does mention how it must have been like the day when jesus and peter talked about how he was forever going to be loyal to him and Mm -hmm. how jesus told peter uh no that is not going to happen this is how it's going to happen and i think that peter probably thought oh my goodness i will never do that but then he saw the night unfolding. He saw like how he was actually, he witnessed how he was being, how Jesus was being tortured and how he was afraid for his own life. Right. And and since it was a cold night, like this particular afternoon, like this particular evening, right. he was also warming himself up against the fire. He saw Peter doing the same thing, going to, with day laborers also, mm-hmm. uh, going to the fire and, trying to warm himself up and and how um, right and that's the connection he makes between themselves and this story of peter's denial yes and he describes how he failed uh i guess how he himself saw himself failing jesus because the 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 workers who were uh warming up against the fire like they were against the fire like he was like peter was and they themselves said, you are, we saw you with him. Like, And, and things happened the way that I guess Jesus had um, predicted. predicted yeah. And he feels at uh, that moment, once the three denials occur, uh, Peter just feels, I'm assuming that he feels, well, the way the way Chekhov describes it is just the sadness and probably shame. And he felt like, ashamed of himself but right. it was a bitter sadness of like oh my goodness i betrayed what i said i love the most right. yeah and and he uses those words he says bitter bitter tears and then yeah and then so Chekhov describes to the ladies to to the to the mother and daughter he describes those tears of, of sad bitterness and i'm assuming shame and disappointment mm-hmm. and they uh and that has an impact as you're reading the story, at least for me, as I read that story, that is what got me. Uh, right. That is what gets me every single time. And then, uh, obviously, 
it gets uh, what the way the, the the story continues is that the ladies also both of them, you know the uh, the educated lady against the the peasant the lady, peasant yeah. lady both react to it in a point that they are also touched by the sadness and they see themselves and I think they see themselves against the fire like everything that they are going through physically at that moment connects them to that night the Good Friday mm-hmm. and the way that, that the student is describing it to them is uh, making such an impact that they are both the way he describes their, their, the way they look is that they're looking into the night and just imagining it and both mm-hmm. are crying both are really really affected by the right. story and that's kind of a turning point in the story because the student after that he he soon he he go, he continues on his on his way home and so he leaves the widows and he's walking on the road and he's thinking about how they were affected by by his telling of the story and he says you know I know it wasn't the way I told the story it was the story itself and how they felt a connection to that and he realizes that the human experience and human history is a living thing that it's connected from one end to the other so that something that happened in the past is affecting the present and vice versa that it's this sort of that history and that these lessons are not static that they're still having an effect just as they had on peter you know, in the past, they're having an effect on these two widows in the present. And that that thought actually uplifts him. He actually feels a joy after he comes to this realization. This is the part that I, I think I, it makes me feel also uplifted because the way... So a little bit background, a little bit of background on how I found out the story. When I was uh, in college and we read the story and all that... I don't remember who told me, but it was one of my professors. Well, and we should mention, you were a Russian minor. You, you minored in Russian. Yeah, Russian in... in uh, Russian in Russian. <laughs> I, I minor in Russian in the 90s. In the 90s, right. Because I thought... That was right before the wall that fell. That was right before the wall fell, and then the wall fell. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah, that was right before the wall fell. But I, but I was too very interested because I was, I felt, I guess, a connection to the, the writers and also like uh, being from Mexico as a Mexican, I, uh, we had, I had more than one person tell me that Russians were winter Mexicans. You've, you have the, told me that before. <laughs> and what, what, what exactly do you mean by that? What, what do you, how, how do you relate your culture as a Mexican with the culture of Russia? I think at least for me, I'm going to describe it for how I, I, they're science people and they love science and they look to, uh, they like concrete, well, I'm obviously generalizing, but they, in their culture, they seem to be for uh, concrete knowledge and, and the exact sciences and all, and Mexicans, at least the tradition, at least the Aztecs and the, you know, the, the native people were very much about the sun and stars and measurements and this and that. But also they're they're full of superstition and family connections. So I mean, obviously it's like a very generalizing thing, but they are very much about folklore mm-hmm. and at least in the books, you know. I mean, I'm, don't want to generalize. Like right. Mexicans are just right, like right, right. Uh, they're summer <laughs> Russians. No, but it is, that that was how I that was how I related to the Russian the literature that I was exposed to 
had you read any Russian literature before minoring in, in Russian, or was that your introduction to it? No, when we were in, I want to say in, had to be secondary school, we ha- we read Pushkin, and we read... Oh my and secondary goodness. school is like your, is, it's is junior school. high, right? Like middle school yeah. in, in here, in, yeah. the, in the States. Yeah, we didn't really, I mean, we didn't, it wasn't like we read the Brothers Karamazov or anything like that. <laughs> we, we read the, the I guess, uh, excerpt. Excerpts, yeah. Of the Great Inquisitor, no, the, was it the Grand Inquisitor? The Grand Inquisitor, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, it was, it was, I think it was just like short stories. And I want to say that it was someone else. But I had been exposed to Russian writers mm-hmm. before because you and you introduced me when we met you all those many years ago. Oh. You <laughs> you introduced me to Russian literature. I hadn't read much Russian literature, and I assume that's because you know going to school in the United States, they probably didn't push Russian literature very much. I don't know because you know we're no, I think you guys. Are. I think that uh, in in the United States, I think. Here well, in the always, States, is more like a, the playwrights. Yeah. I think that's what you guys focus yes, and, on. And, and Crime and Punishment, you know, the big ones. But nothing nothing deeper than that. Like, yeah. I had never heard of Mikhail Bulgakov until you introduced me to that with The Master and Margarita. Yeah, but that was, that I discovered that in college. Uh-huh. I, I didn't, I, I, did, I hadn't read it before. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot, of, a, a lot of writers who I was exposed to once I was in right. college. Sure, yeah. So speaking of communism, <laughs> this, <laughs> this this was before communism. This, I was going to say this was before before communism. Well, right? this was so, before communism, but I don't really know I, historically. I don't really know. I just know that it was before, but well, I don't really uh, know the historical. I don't know any background. Yeah. I mean, that's not. Well, my my question I mean, is, you know, because I, you know, I mentioned Master and Margarita, and that's all about. Well, half the story is about Jesus, you know, and, his, and the crucifixion and that sort of thing. How big a role does religion play in Russian literature? But, you know, I mean, because from what I know, Chekhov himself was agnostic. But these themes seem to come up, not all the time, but, you know, they're, they're there. I think that's kind of like what I was saying about the Russian, the winter Mexican mm-hmm. kind of thing, because... Uh, I see it. I am not an expert, but I think that sometimes the way they use, the Russians use the religious uh, um, stories or the the Bible stories and all that, it's just because it was what people knew. Uh, there were common stories that everyone was, um, they knew about them, they related to them, there was something they liked, there was... Mm-hmm. So I think that's why they used it because it was like the closest thing to um, a shared experience during those days. Yeah. And I'm assuming, like, in it's Mexico, a relatable yeah, allegory. So, yes, yeah. and I'm assuming there were other uh, there are other books and stories that are a lot more specific to the folklore, to Russian folklore. But in Mexico, if you want to make a, 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 a like anywhere else, I'm assuming. That is, that is the Western culture and the, the Christian um, influence is going to be the easiest story really is going to be a Bible story that I want to I mean I'm assuming that's what it is because it is it is very much used in some of the Russian um, right. the Russian story because it was easy to relate and go back and forth and right you I'm, a, I'm agnostic but you are Catholic and you know you feel a, a a real connection to your Catholicism. 
I feel a connection to the tradition. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I do, but I'm not very. I'm not very much. It's not so much the religion as the the shared experience and the community experience. Right. But this story, the, I know this story. The student particularly has the the theme. It's a religious theme, but it's almost not about the. Well, it's more about that community that you're mentioning. It's more about community and also about just telling a good story. Mm-hmm. The person who. I don't remember who it was, one of my professors or, or someone who I knew back then in the, when I was studying the Russian authors. They told me, this story is about being an artist. This hmm. story is about being a good storyteller. It's about being able to bring something from a commonality, I guess, and to bring it in a way that they can relate. So that's why I love this story, because it makes me feel hopeful in terms of, of, of being a creative person is that if you bring something honest and you tell the story the way your heart feels it, people are going to react to it. And the way he feels so uplifted, because even 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 the night changes for him. The night mm-hmm. is the same. It's a cold night. And even with the sad, because he does describe the sadness of, of poverty. Right. And he does describe the sadness of ignorance and right. of oppression Right, because he, he mentions says, all those things specifically, and he, and he talks about how people are hungry, and there's yes, holes in their roofs, and, and, and that sort of thing. And he talks about how he has seen that, he, the present, but he knows that it existed in the past, and that it will probably be like that in the future. So basically, we're the same people, the, sa- the, uh, the, same, experiences. the same experiences in terms of poverty and... And un- yeah. Yes, and that is probably, he, he says, that's not going to go away. It's probably going to be like that in the future. So he describes his surroundings as something that is like, mm-hmm. as, what is it, as old as, what is it? The, <laughs> I don't remember the what the exact line is. That, I don't remember. Yeah. But it, it's kind of like. To borrow from Beauty and the Beast, it's yeah, the story the, is old as time. Story, <laughs> that's what I was going for, like, the story is old as time. So he brings something that he can he knows that. He doesn't do it on purpose. He's just making good conversation. And sometimes you have friends. You have friends like that. You have people like that who start telling you a story that that maybe for you it will be a little bit predictable or like oh you know like oh. But the way they tell this story, mm-hmm. and I have had the experience of two people telling the exact same story when they're not the like they're not the people who are actually the the center of the story. Like mm-hmm. they say like oh you know my friend. Uh, my friend Mike, he did this and this, and then you're like, oh, okay, right. Th- that was a, that's interesting, yeah. you know. But then somebody comes to you and tells you, Mike did this, and you're like, right. oh my god, that's outrageous, and like it's the same story. But I mean, I'm not saying that somebody is like not being truthful or not being honest with the story, yeah. but it's just the way and how you tell the story. You yeah. tell the story, and I think that's what the person I don't remember who it was. The person told me, this is a story about being an artist. This mm. is a story about making a connection. Right. Uh, but do, you don't make a connection from, like, oh, let me let me say something that, that the ladies will like. You know, like, mm-hmm. he just says, like, oh, you know what? This is a day. Like, this is a cold day, as I'm assuming he felt back in mm-hmm. the time of Jesus. It's, he is telling the story because he's, uh, obviously, it's a, it says he's a religious person. And so he knows that story. But it's almost like, not about religion. It's about how he's saying, 
can you imagine how it was? Right. Or like every now and then we think about like, can you imagine how it was when there was like here at least in Chicago when I see the buildings and I see the I I, I feel winter and I see the <laughs> and I see how beautiful the buildings are yeah. and how and I thinking like these buildings were built when there was like no kind of modern uh, right. anything and people were outside working and people were outside building. Uh, living their lives living yeah. their lives and making things happen and this was their their jobs were their pride um, that's how they raised their kids that's the generations of immigrants who were able to create a life for themselves and their family right. like you think you start thinking like that and then before you know it you have a whole story in your head mm-hmm. about you know like how it was for them to eat in winter how did they eat outside with their donuts did they drink coffee did the the coffee froze Uh, i mean would the coffee freeze or you just start thinking all these things and you're like oh that was a lot right yeah no (laughs) but that's when your brain starts going like right because sometimes you stand outside of a building you know in a city like chicago or i assume this is also new york you know the older older cities in the country and even, you know, some, I guess some of the, the West Coast cities too. But you can stand in front of a building and you realize someone else was standing in that in front of that building a hundred years ago, more than a hundred years ago. In, in that same spot, maybe thinking, who knows what they were thinking, but someone else was there experiencing the same thing that you are in the same place. And that's kind of what this story, like you said, it's not really about religion. The, the whole... The whole Good Friday and and the story of Peter and everything is just kind of how Chekhov seems to deliver this story of this idea of connecting. Yes, of connecting and and also it's a connection that even though he made the ladies cry with their story because he moved them to tears. Right. And this is a short visit. He's he's with them for maybe five minutes. Yes, he doesn't yeah. have. He doesn't have supper with them. He doesn't. Right. He just. Uh, he just basically says hello. And isn't this, uh, you know, a cool He's almost day. making small talk. Yes, yeah. but they are. They also pay attention to him. I mean, they have. They right. they listen to what he has to say. But then he goes like, "Okay, well, you know, good night." And then he. Uh, that's it. That's mm-hmm. all. But he made the connection. The story really. I mean, the story is four pages long. Right. Uh, but it does it does move you to to tears. I read it and I think about it. It's hard for me to think about this story because I get to that part and I also just like start crying. What, it's what is really it, moving. What is it that that brings you to that point? What is it about that the story that makes you, the, you know, that, that makes you cry? That he that to me the student does accomplish what he is telling the ladies. He accomplishes to make you feel the sadness and shame that Peter is feeling. Mm-hmm. That is, that, for me, that is the part where I guess the student touches my heart and my the connection that he makes with my own personal history because I have felt shame like that. I have felt uh, sadness like that, of disappointment, of saying like, Somehow I failed at a weakness, even if you can see my circumstances, because it, it does it does mention that Peter sees from his point of view, I guess, where he is standing. From a distance, From yeah. a distance, he sees what's happening to Jesus. He sees that he's right. getting uh, tortured. tortured. Yeah. And so he, it's a survival thing. 
for Peter, obviously. But at the same time, is that you can feel that the shame that Peter is feeling right. of inaction, right. of like I thought you were, you know, I thought you were never going to betray the person you love mm-hmm. the most, and there, I mean, obviously, I have not betrayed Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, but but you have, you do feel that disappointment, like you feel that connection, and you go, you look back and you say, like I have been weak. I have, right. when I thought my heart was brave, and I thought. Oh, this will never happen because, you know, I, you know, I'm strong and I will never betray my principles or the people I love. And then you look back and you, and you, he touches you at that moment. He makes you realize that whatever excuse you want to make, and maybe it was a really good excuse. You know, mm-hmm. Peter does not want his survival. Right. He doesn't right. want to die, right. be tortured, but he still does something that brings him shame. Right. And, the, and the student, the description, check out the writer. It does make you feel like that, like you, sad, sad, a sad, sad day in your soul. Right. And it does end on a hopeful note. At At the end, he he's crested a hill. Yes. So he's, he's at the top of a hill now, and he can see a thin ribbon of sunset. So he literally climbs out of darkness and sees this illumination on the horizon. Yes, and I think he also feels if it is if it is about being an artist, he feels like I told a good story mm-hmm. that was really nice. I did good right. because he feels in a way even if he made them sad with the story, he still like he makes his key the part of the the story says that he made a connection where right. past and present touched, and he that uplifted him. And like you said, the sunset that he sees the sunset in the west. And he feels like, okay, it is a day. It is spring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not winter. That there's hope. It's hope. And, he, and yeah. he feels so happy. Plus, he, um, the the story mentions how he's young and he has mm-hmm. the future ahead of him and his health. And so, like, there is reason for him to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. We have had really gloomy times, but there's always going to be someone who's going to be right. And the sense of community. Yes, because he appreciated his effect on his neighbors. Yeah. Well, and like you said, he stopped to share their fire. Yes. And they welcomed him, as, like like you said. And in ex- in almost in exchange, he, he told this story. He told a good story. Yeah. And sometimes that's all, you know, that's why we have friends and why that's why we are together with family. Wait, when we get together with family... We talk about the same stories. Oh, mm-hmm. right. yeah, that's true. <laughs> and we say, like, do you remember when this and right. And it's like, they're the same stories. But mm-hmm. it's like, we're, in a way, we're connecting. We're trying to connect our present with our past and, and remembering how we were and also enjoying how we are. Uh, there will be always hope, even from the saddest moments in our life as a family. The, the sad, sad moments, mm-hmm. the losses, the the tough times, like financially yeah. or health-wise. Right. But, the, but we repeat them and kind of like remember when that was happening and how we made it through. And now we can look up and say, hey, it's spring. It really mm-hmm. is spring. It, looked, right. it felt like winter. Yeah. But it's, uh, but it's uh, hopeful. There's always spring. Yeah, there's always spring. Yeah. That's a good story for these times. 
It I is think. a good story for this time. But also, uh, selfishly, I always see it as something I recommend to every creative person to see that if you are honest about your your ideas and your art, people are going to be moved by it. That's my, why it's my favorite. It helps guide where my my goal should be to tell a good story. So coming up next, Sandy Salinas will read us a section of The Student. The Student by Anton Chekhov The student thought again that if Vasilia had shed tears and her daughter had been troubled, it was evident that what he had just been telling them about, which had happened 19 centuries ago, had a relation to the present, to both women, to the desolate village, to himself, to all people. The old woman had wept, not because he could tell the story touchingly, but because Peter was near to her because her whole being was interested in what was passing in Peter's soul. And joy suddenly stirred in his soul, and he even stopped for a minute to take a breath. The past, he thought, is linked with the present by an unbroken chain of events flowing one out of another. It seemed to him that he had just seen both ends of that chain, that when he touched one end, the other quivered. When he crossed the river by the ferry boat and afterwards, mounting the hill, looked at his village and toward the west where the cold crimson sunset lay a narrow streak of light, he thought the truth and beauty which had guided human life there in the garden and in the yard of the high priest had continued without interruption to this day, and had evidently always been the chief thing in human life, and in all earthly life indeed, and the feeling of youth, health, vigor. He was only twenty-two and the inexpressibly sweet expectation of happiness, of unknown mysterious happiness, took possession of him little by little. And it seemed to him enchanting, marvelous, and full of lofty meaning. We love to hear from you. Please leave your comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, drop me a line at mirrorfactorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Facebook. The Mirror Factory is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Thanks for listening, and until next time, read a book. Well, a man walked down by Galilee, so the holy book does say. And a great multitude was gathered there without a thing to eat for days. Up stepped a little boy with a basket. Please take this, Lord, he said. And with just five loaves and two little fishes, five thousand had fish and bread. Who was it, everybody? Who was it, everybody? Who was it, everybody? It was Jesus Christ, our Lord.